This is Such Fun, a podcast devoted to the discussion, education, and celebration of all things fisting. Whether you're a curious newbie or an elbow deep connoisseur, this podcast is for you. I'm artist Big Buck Geek, and I'm blogger Jasmine Taz. Let's get to it. Let's have such fun. Hey, Adal. Hello. Um, I only saw you a few days ago, so <laughs> this is... <laughs> yeah, I, I finally got to come back and visit you in London. What am I talking about, finally? I was there like a month ago. You're becoming a bit of a regular. I'm becoming a regular, just like an STI. Um, and we had a great time together. We went out to Mimi's on yes. Friday night. See you at Mimi's. At See you at Mimi's. Working Men's Club, yes. And experienced a quite aggressive drag show. I think one of the most aggressive I've ever seen, to be honest. I'm really surprised, considering you're a Berlin native, that that was, that was quite in your face for you. Because I, I was expecting just, like, scat on stage for <laughs> something. I don't know. I mean, we could unpack that, but I'll just, I'll just say I don't go out lately. Okay. I'm a boring sod that sits at home feeling sorry for myself instead of going out on the Berlin scene. I hope to well, change that. You were that. loving life. You were just loving life. Um, yeah. You're in, you're in your sluttiest attire and just sh- shaking that tush to everything. When somebody drags me out, I have a good time. Yeah, yeah, you're in good form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to tell you a quick story before we introduce our, our esteemed guest for tonight. I wanted to sh- tell you a quick story about my trip home on the Sunday to come back to Berlin from London, uh, which was booked with EasyJet by you. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> he said pointedly. <laughs> um, it's it, it was a it was a funny little experience. So I'm on the train to Gatwick Airport. Uh, trying to check in on my phone and the internet connection's rubbish. Uh, and I discover that you have booked the ticket in your name. It says BBG on it. It doesn't say Jasmataz. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if this is a problem. Uh, so I arrive at Gatwick and I speak to one of the, the little minions running around. And I was like, do you guys have a service desk? And he's like, service desk? No, no, we, we gave up on that shit when we stopped caring about customer service. Why would we have a customer service desk? Um, and he's like, but you can go over to that lady there in the high visibility vest. You can, you can bother her. And so I try and go and bother her and she doesn't want to have a bar of it. She's, she's dealing with 15 other complaints all at once. And she's having a very bad day. And I eventually do manage to stop her and be like, listen here, bitch, I need this thing done. And I need to check if it's okay that it's got BBG on it and not Jasmataz. And she's like, oh no, that's not okay. And you can't change that. You have to buy yourself a new flight. And I was like, seriously? And she's like, yeah, seriously. And then she buzzes off. <laughs> and I was like, okay, just keep calm. Generally, I'm pretty good at taking flights. Like, I, I don't freak out when I have a flight to catch. My husband is the complete opposite. So I'm already kind of like starting starting to feel something. But like generally, like, hey, come on, you got this. You're fine. Um, I start, and I'm texting you at the time, but you'd have, you were having a nap. And so I, I hopped online and was like, okay, how much is a new flight? I'm all about that lifestyle now. The nap lifestyle. I'm into that. Um, and so I checked for a new flight on online and it's going to cost me like £377. And I was like, fuck. And I thought, could, okay, I could call customer service. So I got customer service's number up and I was just like, no, wait, just, just hold on a second. Just take some time, go to the toilet, eat an apple. So I, I <laughs> sunk down onto the tiles, ate my apple, thought about life. And thought, fuck it, I'm gonna go onto this plane as as BBG. Um, and I was checking, like there was a lady like uh, like uh, checking tickets and passports and stuff. So I kind of lined up for her and I'm just looking, just thinking, is she actually checking anything on that or just pretending? And it turns out she was pretending. She wasn't looking at names. She wasn't comparing names. Um, so I flew by her, dropped my bag off. At the, at the automatic bag drop, no problems there. Got to the gate, got through the gate, same thing. They're not actually checking. EasyJet does not check your identity. They pretend they do. <laughs> Exposed. So I felt like I wasn't like, drag her. Catch me if you can or something. I'm like, flying under the radar as BBG. 
It was like the most exciting thing I've gotten up to in the past year. So I guess they're just checking that your passport's valid. That's about it. If that. But, but then what about your boarding pass? So it just so it just had my name on it? It had your name pass. on it. Yeah. So they just didn't check it against the passport? No. Nah. Okay. No. Nah. Well, that's, um... Wow, we're in safe hands. I guess they're not paid enough. Yeah. I anyway, mean, if, so... I mean, I mean, if you've ever flown with Ryanair, the desperation on their faces... Mm. Oh, the lack of smiles. Oh, my God. They hate themselves. Like, like they want that plane to go down just, just to teach everyone a lesson. Like, it's not safe. It's not safe in the air. Anyway, this introduction is yeah is the um, longest I think we've given. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> what are we talking <laughs> onto, about? Onto, onto more um, um, uh, fun and frivolous matters. Oh, segue. Segue. So when, so when we were out Friday night... Guess who we were dancing next to for an extended period in that night? Um, socialist um, icon, um, Owen Jones, who was huffing poppers the entire fucking time. Which leads us nicely on to our topic, which is poppers. That's one for the, all the British listeners. I don't know who that person is. Well done. Well done. It's the poppers that count. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it back round. Yes. So our guest today uh, is... Adam Smith, with a Z, um, who is the author of a number of books and articles, among them one that both uh, BBG and I have, have read recently, called Deep Sniff, A History of Poppers and Queer Futures. Hello, Adam. Hello. <laughs> this book uh, has been quite an eye-opener for me, and I would have also already considered myself as somebody who knows a fair bit about poppers, but uh, no, I, I found this book both funny, uh, culturally relevant, historically um, pulled apart, and, and you, know, you, you get so nice and deep into things. Um, you talk about, among other things, among many, many things, <laughs> uh, fears of sex and death through the ages. Um, it's rich in queer theory, culture, and history, uh, full of anecdotes, uh, vastly researched, um, and also self-referencing. Um, y- you go through all sorts of topics, including <laughs> popper baiting, um, poppers featuring on stage in a musical and in comic strips, um, attempts to outlaw um, and to blame poppers for the AIDS epidemic. Um, and it, it's just incredibly far-reaching, and I was astounded at just everything that there is to possibly know about poppers, and I think it's all in this book. Do you know what I forgot? I forgot the tips on how to take your poppers on an EasyJet flight. <laughs> well, deep sniff too. You've got your contributing writer right here. <laughs> exactly. You just have to flash them as conspicuously as possible as you, as you pass by the gate. It's all about confidence. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So tell us about your journey with writing the book. Well, it started, I guess, in about uh, 2019 because I... I'm a volunteer in a collective of people that organise uh, film and queer arts events in London. And it's called Fringe! Exclamation mark. And a couple of people there said to me that, yeah, what did I want to do that year? And normally we just like organise things and um, and put on screenings and do events. But I said, actually, I want to research and write a talk about poppers. And I want to give a talk about poppers at the festival. And the pe- the others were like, okay, that's weird, but that's great, do it. So that, as any writer knows, or anyone who makes anything knows, you just need someone to like give you the mandate mm-hmm. in a way and the deadline, uh, like a reason to do it. So um, the book actually started as that talk. And it was really, I really just started um, wanting to do that just because... I was using poppers, people that I was sleeping with were using poppers, my friends were using poppers, and yet no one seemed to know very much about them. And I just thought, that's really interesting. Like, this is a big part of queer culture, and yet there's quite a lot of things that we don't know about it. And, it, you know, it, I just felt like there's there's going to be loads to say about this. And, like, how is it, why is it a queer thing? Like, why is it so connected to us? And why is it so special? And also, like... Um, it's quite an amazing thing <laughs> for me, anyway. Not for everyone. Well, we certainly agree. Um, ob- 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 obviously, as fisters, we have a very special connection with poppers. Right. Um, <laughs> it's certainly something that, se- that seems to come up 
um, through through all play, and even if it, even if you're not using them, you're definitely going to have a conversation as to why you're not using poppers. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 just this constant thing in yeah. in, in in our sex lives. And um, obviously, you're going to f- far far greater detail um, in in the book about this. But I just but I'm just hoping, like for for everyone listening at home, can you just give like a brief history of poppers? Yes. Well, it really started in 1844. Uh, that's how far we go back in the story of poppers when a French chemist who's called Antoine Jérôme Ballard was just experimenting, you know, as 19th century scientists <laughs> living in garrets tended to do, just combining different substances. And he did that and he made this thing called amyl nitrite. And when he sniffed the vapour of it, it made him blush. And he wrote that down in his notes uh, along with the lines to the effect, I don't know what good this is. Like, this is not doing anything. It just makes it gives me a bit of a head rush, but there's no use for that. So he wrote that down, and other scientists uh, had um, then subsequently sort of started to experiment with it more. They um, made a sealed box and put a rabbit in and then pumped the popper's vapour inside and saw what effect that had. They made frogs sniff it, and they looked at how the frog's capillaries... Uh, expanded under the microscope uh, when they were sniffing amyl nitrite. And so they started to realise that it was dilating blood vessels. That's what it was doing. And it was therefore relaxing muscles in the body. And that was causing the, um, the blood vessels to dilate, more oxygen getting into the head, which is the head rush, and um, yeah, lowering your blood pressure. And so that was kind of what the science you know, what what science was saying about it, but there wasn't still really a use. And at the same time, there was a doctor who's really hot, by the way, if you (laughs) want to Google his name, Thomas Lauder Brunton, really hot in a sort of daddy Victorian doctor kind of way, you know, big beard. He was practicing medicine in Edinburgh and he was specializing in treating angina patients. And what he knew with angina patients was that and um, the pain is caused when not enough blood is getting into their heart because their blood vessels are too constricted. So he knew that and he read this research from these researchers that was finding that if a person or a frog sniffed amyl nitrite, then it actually expanded the blood vessels and allowed the blood to flow more easily. So then he was like, right, well, I'm going to give this one a shot. So he had a patient who came on with angina pain. He made him sniff amyl nitrite and the pain was eased. And so that was kind of like a medical miracle. Uh, Not really a miracle because it's based on science. There's no virgin involved, definitely. Um, And so, yeah, it was amazing. And so he wrote about that. And then loads and loads of other doctors started to use amyl nitrite for treating people with angina. And obviously pharmaceutical companies started to manufacture it and sell it for that purpose, uh, right up until the middle of the 20th century, really. Um, Although the use of for that kind of fell away in the early bit of the 20th century when another substance was found to be even better medicine at that. So that's where it came from. It's got a medical history. And then at some point in the middle, or well, yeah, we don't really know, kind of definitely by the middle of the 20th century, people had started sniffing amyl nitrite while they were getting fucked and realizing that actually maybe this is an even better use than angina relief. Do you know who came up with the the novel idea of doing it while or taking it while getting fucked though? Oh, I wish I did. <laughs> like that would be wonderful to know. But I don't. There are rumors that they were um like pretty horny medical students at Harvard Medical School in Boston in the US in the 1930s. Mm. Obviously doctors and medical students would have access to it quite easily because it was just one of the things that was, you know, in the medicine cabinet. Um, And also, you know, students can be a bit frisky, although I don't know how a medical student finds the time to have sex, let alone popper sex. (laughs) But anyway, there is that rumour. But I also kind of like the fact that we don't really know when it moved into the bedroom properly, you know, because I don't know, like as a sort of, I guess I'm a historian kind of, among other things. And I think that there's always loads of mysteries and stuff that we don't know in history. And especially when it's to do with sex and our bodies and desires and the fluidity of of, of how we have sex and how we think of sex and how we think of our bodies. Like in a way, like you're sort of missing the point if you're trying to define a particular moment or a particular like discovery or something that's kind of science and I think there's plenty about desires and sex that are better left mysterious 
Yeah, and it it seems to me like uh, when it comes to to cultural history, it's much mm-hmm. more about a movement happening, like in the in yeah. the, in the queer community, in terms of taking yeah. poppers as an example, or among gay men, maybe specifically. Um, yeah. Fascinating. Exactly, and that's what happened. You know, in the um, certainly by the sixties, um, that people were doing it recreationally quite a lot and um getting prescription getting on prescription sorry getting it without prescription until the medical regulators in the uk and the us required started to require a prescription and then into the 70s it was absolutely part of like gay urban gay subculture in like places like san francisco new york and london and that's when manufacturers kind of actually that were making poppers and marketing and branding it for gay men specifically that was where they really took off and so yeah it really moved into that that culture and created that gay somewhat created a gay culture really and a gay sense of a gay identity and that's to me like the really interesting thing Mm -hmm. so tell us then something about the the difference between it being marketed towards gay men and being a very gay drug to uh, the queer community and where where this comes in because a lot of a hell of a lot of your book is um, is about queer liberation and the queer future um, mm-hmm. something that we're always striving towards that we never arrive in a queer future of course yeah. um, can you tell us first about that what that means exactly <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so there's a bit of context. So I was writing the, I think about, I think about the future a lot. I'm a big science fiction fan. Um, I'm a big fan of science and so I, and technology and stuff. So I, I, I think about it in those terms a lot. And I like to live in the future by watching science fiction or reading science fiction and, and things like that. Um, and I'm, you know, like I'm a progressive. I'm always interested in like, how can we improve society and how can we improve life for ourselves? And, and I feel that like, I feel really lucky that I was, um, I'm living in a moment and in a place where my where I, I'm relatively free to have the sex and the sexual body that I do have, not completely free, and it's not the same for everyone and everything like that. So, so I'm kind of really conscious of of the the time that that we're in and how that is actually different and how the the way that your body can be is contingent upon the time that you find yourself in so I guess um yeah that stuff is it sounds a bit like wanky and conceptual but I it's just there all the time for me like and that I guess anyway uh, and then you know I was right I ended up writing most of the book in um well all of the book in 2020 when we were in and out of lockdown and so I was also thinking and you know so there's a disease in the air outside that we're trying to stay away from. And that just felt like really weird and medieval on the one hand. Um, and then also the fact that I was able to um, know all of, n- know what was going on about that and also to like access the world and um, everything like that by by the internet. I don't know, it's just, it, um, all these things just made me think, made me think about the future. And then I was isolated as well. Uh, you know, I couldn't go to the gay nights that I like to go to or the queer spaces or hug my queer friends or fuck people, couldn't do any of that. So it was this weird thing of like, what is happening? And so I just started thinking about the future a lot more. And also because I got paid like a tiny advance for writing the book, <laughs> it's an independent publisher, repeater books, they're amazing, but they don't have a huge advance. So therefore I was like, well, I'm the one that's investing most of the money in this. So I'm going to write the book that I want to write. And yeah, I was sniffing poppers and wanking a lot as well and watching porn. <laughs> so I guess all of these things just like smooshed together and made me think about the future a lot. And I guess I was interested fundamentally in what I could do with poppers as a subject matter beyond simply telling a history and a story like a story of this drug which is completely interesting to me and it's all there in the book there's loads of that but I was just always interested in okay well what can I do with this more and I think that those other feelings and experiences that I was having or had had just made me uh, put me in that posture really of thinking like okay what is it and actually what I concluded from that was like when I sniff poppers like it's like projecting me a little bit into the future because it's removing my shame and my inhibitions about sex that I might have physical ones and emotional ones maybe and it's turning it's making me horny it's releasing this potential that's inside me to be horny 
and it's connecting me with myself or with other people and that that is like a better version of being so it's like that's the future that I'm chasing and also at the same time I was missing seeing all the queer performers like in live spaces that I go to and I realized that they're actually visitors from the future because they're showing us amazing ways of being with our bodies and genders and stuff like that so that's basically where all of the ideas came from was that actually poppers are this like magic potion that allow us to access the future for 45 seconds i love that when you talked about the drag queen just now it made me think of um see you at mimi's where one of the drag queens shoved a (laughs) condom up her nose and pulled it out of her mouth yeah (laughs) there you go that's that's the future that we want Ah, everyone. That's That's art. art. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But it's showing you what's possible with your body in a obviously like hilarious and gross and weird way. But um, I just think that they, you know, drag queens and other performers, they dare. They really dare. And I think that that's why we love entertainers, you know, because they, they, they can really push it and they help us to imagine what's possible. I think, I think what you go into in the book as well is kind of poppers almost being this transgressive act as well it's there there is something fundamentally very queer about it um i guess because it has been so marketed and co-opted by gay men and then and i'm I'm, i mean i've as we've mentioned many times before i've worked in sex shops before where obviously poppers were in full full sale and i know that kind of you know the, the kind of clientele that that buy it and i also see when straight people um, come in and buy it, they kind of feel like they're getting this little piece of something transgressive and naughty and this, and this very, you know, queer leaning thing that they're going to introduce to their sex lives. It's like, Ooh, let's be naughty. Let's do this. Let's do Let Let's do this gay thing tonight, darling. You know, it's, um, (laughs) it's, 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 it's really interesting. Yeah. But they're good for them. (laughs) It is. It is really like that. It is this, it is a, a guilty pleasure and a sort of naughty, a naughty thing, isn't it? Yeah. I, and I, I, I find that really interesting that that's where it still well, is. You know, I think I feel like that kind of takes us towards the the realm of chemsex as well, which is something I wanted to ask you specifically about. For me, the jury's still out on on whether poppers should be included as as a, a sex drug, and and if so, why? Uh, what is your opinion about it? Like, I think it's. Yeah, I I don't really have a strong opinion on that. I, I feel like currently the sexual health uh, clinics and that, certainly the ones that I know in, in London, I don't think they consider it to be like a sex drug. And it's not something, put it this way, if when they ask you, like, do you take drugs, you know, when you're doing like the regular exam thing um, and you say poppers, mm. they like, don't even write that down. It's just like, if you say that you yeah. do G, then then they'll write that down because it, it, they might connect that with other things that you say or are doing that they need to be concerned about or to support you with or whatever. So I think in that sense, like the authorities for, 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 for what that's worth, um, are, uh, like don't consider it in that way. But, um, and I guess for me, like the thing is that like the relative harms are so low, um, it's really hard to, to fuck up unless you drink it or like like pour the liquid into your eyeball like don't do either of those two things don't be a dick um or do that for somebody else uh you know so it's really hard um to sort of have 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 a really really bad effect or to develop a dependence right there's and and you you do write in the book about one incident of a guy at a music festival who had taken what 15 other substances and then yeah and then took a was it a sniff of poppers or did he swallow them no poppers? i think he actually drank poppers as well yeah and then after died. like yeah and then died uh, and it was in a way it was like the poppers that was the news headline yeah yeah exactly um even though he also was filled with like um diazepam and cocaine and uh, mdma and alcohol and other things it's like but it's the gay drug that that killed him it was the gay that yeah <laughs> it's the gay right. drug that killed him yeah, yeah exactly yeah. poor kid yeah i mean that's like obviously every so often there's a story like that and it creates a bit of a moral panic about poppers this like this sex drug which is otherwise flying under the radar um, and, you know, people start clutching their pearls and wor- worrying about that. And you just see that happen every so often in the press. And also, like, it, there was one thing that happened in America 
last summer and the FDA put out a statement about like poppers and said that it's dangerous and um and it actually caused you know they sort of it's a bit of a scaremongering like it's right for an authority to like be able to say like okay this is what this drug is this is how it works this is how you take it safely I mean I don't think they usually say that but they should um uh so you know that's obviously like a sensible thing to do to put those notices out but they've got to be careful because it can scaremonger and I think that um, I mean that you know there are ways that people have had bad effects or bad experiences with poppers, but um, it's certainly compared to even something like alcohol, like the relative harms are really small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about when it comes to, uh, you mentioned dependency just there um, mm. and you're, you're a self professed, confessed uh, popper beta. Um, <laughs> yes. And I, like I, I spent years every day taking poppers right. and masturbating. Right. Uh, right. And my husband would come home from work, and I'd be blue in the face, and I'd have to, I'd have right. to go off to to my work pretty soon after. And somebody <laughs> noticed at work once, "Are you okay? Your lips are blue." And I was like, "I'm fine. Right. I know what, what you're talking about. I've just had a ripper of a wank." Um, yeah. And and it took me a lot longer, like to 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 accept that I had a dependency and that I needed to like yeah take it down a little bit. And these days, I I barely take poppers at all. Uh, w- yeah. What do you think about that? Like, is there? Well, I think that yeah. I mean, there are different kinds of dependencies, right? Like, I, I I don't think there's a chemical dependency. I don't think it's an addictive substance in a way that like heroin and nicotine are like addictive, addictive. It's more about the habit and the the feeling that you get addicted to. It's not like an actual addict addictive substance. Someone's gonna have the better terminology than I have about that. Um, so that's just like you know, you enjoy that feeling and then you, you always want to do that. You always want to do that feeling. Um, and that, that becomes your primary way of, of, of having, of having sex or wanking. Um, yeah, I guess that, that can be a problem. Like maybe it was for you if that's, if that's what you would say about that, that use in that period. Um, it's the, but I think it's the same with any, that's that type of dependency. We're all, prone to that kind of dependency for like for for different things it might be a particular person (laughs) that you become dependent on sexually or it might be a particular toy or a particular um position or something like that um and I guess the best you know the usual thing that I think of with this is in terms of sex is um and I have to give I have to I'm not the best taker of my own advice on this point but like you know it's always about like trying to see okay well what's what's working what's not working what am I depending upon how can I actually vary this how can I vary my my time and my and my and my pleasure because ultimately that is going to be better anyway and that's not a vote against one thing or another in particular it's just saying yeah how do I how do I make things variable and fun you know right it's taking control back I guess yeah that's right um or appealing to your better self because <laughs> at the end of the day the the drug is not the problem you the person is the problem yeah um and on on the other hand uh i find like actually reading your book in the past few months has been super helpful for me because i as i mentioned in an earlier episode of of such fun i took a break from fisting and wasn't really sure where where my sexuality was leading and it was this book mm-hmm. that helped me see that Poppers is not a problem in my life. Poppers is something actually quite wonderful. Mm. And I have good control over my use of poppers these days. Wow. So when I want to play, even just with myself, with some dildos, I actually look forward more to it because I'm like, oh, I've got that that nice bottle of poppers mm. there. And that's, that. you know, also taking it back to, of course, um, this, this bringing the future into the present or... or, mm. or um, uh, releasing your shame for 45 seconds, um, there was that to look forward to. Yeah. And I wasn't overdoing it. Yeah. I was doing it not quite enough, actually. Mm. But having that small moment where I could just enjoy myself sometimes in my sexuality, where I wasn't having sex with anybody, mm. or at least not fisting, uh, that was that was a wonderful thing. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really good. And I, I think it's... What's been interesting talking about this this book at, at you know on podcasts like yours and at events book talks that I've done um, is how I often use uh, I've I've been using a, I use a phrase that sometimes people like 
kind of take pause at or they or they sometimes even laugh at in an awkward way. You know, I sometimes say, you know, if you're having sex with somebody or if you're having sex with yourself, la 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 la. And people like think like, oh, having sex with yourself, that's a funny formulation. But like, I'm obviously I, I'm not shy about using the word wank either. But um, but I think that there's I think that there's something a bit more in a way, like I guess I'm say I say have sex with yourself because it's I'm taking wanking seriously. Yeah. <laughs> like not to say that like I'm overthinking it, God no. But like I think it's um it's not just a quick wank, you know. It is possible to like set up a scene for yourself and think about what you like to do and think about your pleasure and and I guess for me that's um that's just that's just a part of like my sex life and my sex history because that was pretty much all I did until I was 29 and so like yeah basically so I mean that's a whole other story which I'm not shy about but like I didn't really I didn't really have sex until I was 29 and so um I I I think that like my pattern my sexual adolescence if if you like you know, which was a very extended sexual adolescence, if you want to call it that, before I started doing that with other people, was having sex with myself. And, um, yeah, and so I, I, I guess that's why I think of it a lot and take it seriously in mm. a way. <laughs> I think that that probably resonates with a lot of people in the in the fisting community, uh, who, especially, of course, the ones who, who do like playing on dildos by themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have to take that seriously because it involves, a, for most people, it, it involves a douching process yeah. beforehand and, and yeah. setting the mood and having the right dildos at hand. And, and there's a commitment to that. I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, how many how many friends who are not even fisters, but like bottoms or verse, like, you know, we've all had to like train ourselves and like teach our bodies, like learn our bodies and get to know our bodies. Um, in that way whether that's through like one of those training kits where you have like different sized dildos or something um, and then obviously fisters have an, like an even other level of commitment to that and that requires like a discipline and a practice and um, and you know the effort to do all of that and that's why fisters and bottoms are like superheroes I'll take it because <laughs> they really care no. about themselves yeah I'll take it too <laughs> I really wanted to talk about uh, probably the chapter that resonated with me the most, which was the connection with sex and death. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For whatever reason that might be. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. I, I mean, I believe you got sort of start, start off that chapter really kind of going into a lot of the branding that was um, for poppers at the time. This is sort of the 70s, 80s, I believe. Um, and it's also hyper-masculinized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I've just butchered that word. Uh, it's very yeah. aggressive. It's very destructive. A lot, of, a, lot of, a, um, a lot of the language and the imagery as well. Yeah. Why do you think that was at the time? Okay, so when I was looking into the history of poppers and I was looking at that, um, that moment in the 70s when poppers became this product that was made for and marketed at gay men specifically. And the manufacturers were using brand names uh, like Rush, which is still with us today, and also Iron Horse and Fist and Trojan and, you know, these like hyper, uh, hyper masculine, um, hyper energetic, quite visceral, violent names. Uh, they were using things like that. And the, the advertising that they used often had like these like really, really hunky, uh, uh, you know, idealized masculine bodies with like, you know, 18 abs per person and like giant pecs the size of dinner plates. And, um, and so I realized that actually what was going on in the 70s was this um, and that wasn't just to do with Popper's adverts. That was that was you know becoming more and more dominant in in like just erotic like artwork and porn and um, and posters for nights and stuff like that. And so I realized that you know there was this there was this kind of movement within the gay community and gay culture to create this like idealized male body form, and it was like super masculine. Um, and it was interesting how it was like based on um, like basically traditional ideas of like a man being strong and capable and um, muscly, which were obviously from the sort of hetero world or the general world, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and yet, it, so, so the gay version of that was subversive because that person was like fucking a guy or being fucked by a guy, but it was still completely traditional and conventional in the way that it was like this kind of 
um, that sort of like butch man. And so that was just really interesting to me that 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 was happening. Um, and then at the same time as that, there's this there's this violence to it, which sometimes in the ads there's like like a mushroom cloud um, of a nuclear bomb, and sometimes the guys are like being like really um, like the cartoon guys in the ads are being quite um, like I don't want to say violent, that's too much, but like really firm, you know, with each other, which sort of suggests violence. And obviously, there's that part of our sex culture, you know, BDSM and um, dom sub stuff, which obviously can be great and everything. Um, and so that was, that was all just part of the advertising. And I guess that was just interesting to me how we make those connections between like pleasure and, um, and an identity and also pain and suffering. And then moving into the eighties when the, um, you know, AIDS, AIDS arrived and the HIV virus was discovered. And then the, the whole death, part of the Popper's story became like an even bigger thing because it looked, some people thought initially it looked like Popper's was the cause of this problem uh, because of who it was, who was doing it. And so then, and then in the eighties, just generally there was this huge national, well, international um, persecution of men who had sex with each other um, and who were seen as like disease vectors and bad people and sinful and all of those things because of HIV. Um, and so yeah, I just thought that was just something to write about, you know, the connection there, between all there, those things. There does, there does seem to be a real mirroring um, with poppers and I suppose the representation of the gay community or how, or how it likes to perceive itself as well. You know, is as as, as you say, mm-hmm. like in, in the 70s and 80s, hyper-masculinized, hyper um, you know, we're doing something very transgressive, but ironically we're just sort of conforming to the mm-hmm. same kind of heteronormative patriarchal you know ideas of manlyhood yeah and that image is still with us today definitely you know? but yeah. um I, I i will say in more recent years it's definitely there's definitely been a massive shift in kind of the branding of poppers as well you i mean i mean when you have brands like double scorpio in the u.s yeah. um I, I know firsthand from some of the poppers i've yeah. sold which um um, which now tends to be more pink and colourful and bubblegummy. It's it's like, it's you, you know, yeah. it's it's unashamedly femme and queer and camp now as well because we're yeah. quite proud to be associated yeah. with that now. Oh, I'm going to have my pumpkin spice flavour one. Yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't ha- it doesn't have to have to be this thing which, you know, destroys yeah. you anymore. <laughs> it's this kind of it, it, it's kind of it's kind of getting to this sort of effervescentness. Yeah, exactly. To, to, to it to it again. Yeah, I think that's really I think that's really interesting, and it's something that I think is really great. Basically, you know, the more diversity of like um, basically what we're talking about there is gender representation, gender presentation, right? Yeah. And so the more diversity of gender representation and the way that that's sort of symbolized and made into graphic design and colors and stuff, whether it's posters for nights or, or poppers brands or whatever, like, um, the better. And so, yeah, I think that's, it's an, it's just a, it's a new wave of, of, um, poppers graphic design that's happening. (laughs) And it's queerer. Yeah, and I can't I can't help but notice the same thing within fisting community as well. There is we we are we are probably the worst mm. for this very destructive language. Mm. You know, it's about getting wrecked, destroyed, destroy my whole, annihilate. <laughs> you know, it's all no wonder non non fisters think we're crazy and dangerous. Um, you know, because because this is the way we talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I think that you know, I I think I I think that you know, it's, it's on the one hand, it's like fun and interesting to kind of think about that kind of language and where does that come from? Um, and then on the other hand, it's like, I, I don't want anyone to think that like, I'm like policing that in the bedroom or, or anything like that, you know, because actually, you know, annihilation there, I, I get it. Like there is some, that's one of the great, amazing things about sex, like whatever kind of sex, whether you are fisting or something else, like the, the point of annihilation and poppers kind of do this in a, in a tiny and, you know, very temporary way 
is to like remove you, you remove yourself from yourself. And that's, that's the, that's a great thing that sex can do. And that's how it can be transcendent when you're like, it's like you're floating above yourself and whether that's, you know, something that you're doing with yourself or you're using poppers or someone's fisting you or someone's fucking you or you're fucking them. And like, it just like removes you from your body and you're not thinking about, mm. did, you, did I put that task in my Google calendar Yeah. about what I need to do tomorrow? You know, like you're just, that's an, that's annihilation when you're not thinking about that. And that's one of the yeah. great things about sex. Well, that, well, for me, that's what I think great fisting should be. It should be this experience that completely removes yourself from, from, from the now. I mean, I, I think yeah. in my experience, it's like, I can't talk, I can't speak. I'm just, I'm, I, you know, I'm just a whole, sir. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, there you go. You know, and I, and I, and, and I hope, um, that, um, I, I suppose poppers, it's not necessarily seen as, kind of a tool to help you take fists better, but rather a compliment to that feeling. Mm, interesting. You know, oh, that's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. I Yeah, I'm quite interesting. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. No, <laughs> I think that's a good framing. And that goes back to what Jasmine Taz was saying earlier about like the dependence thing and like why, and, or the intention, yeah. like why are you using it? Yeah. Exactly. I, th- I think that's a conversation we're probably having more now as, as fisters. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, I mean, one of our pre- previous guests, Marco Napoli, who um, adamantly does not use poppers. I mean, is um, a, a sober individual as well, but that has extended to to poppers as well. And I'm seeing that more and more. And there's a certain almost kind of swagger as well to be like, oh my God, I didn't even do poppers for this. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, look yeah, how yeah. skilled I am. I don't even need to do poppers for it. Yeah. Um, which I do I do understand because because I, I, I mean, I mean, the thing that really put, put, puts me off in play is when people think, well, I need this to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I need to take that, whether it be drugs, yeah. and now, and, and, you know, poppers as well oh, oh i need my poppers to be yeah. to be able to take take a face like no you you shouldn't there, there there's 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 other factors at work i mean i mean poppers are great i don't i don't i don't think they're that good yeah in being, being, being yeah exactly i, I think i think it yeah. should be a compliment to the to the experience yeah that's, that's a good that's way how i believe it. with it yeah. I'm, I'm not i'm not gonna preach at people um but i am gonna preach people. they're an enhancer not an enabler yeah yeah, yeah. In, a, in, a, in an ideal world certainly yeah. And I think you should treat every drug like that. Yeah. Quite right. <laughs> <laughs> That's my one good idea from this episode. <laughs> I feel like we're talking a lot about, about the experiences of gay men through through history uh, in society and everything. And, and the book does a lot of that, and, um, but also ties in the queer community and, mm-hmm. and, or the quilt bag, as you, mm-hmm. as you write, um, which I love. What can the future look like for the queer community in terms of poppers and maybe specifically talking to listeners out there who are not Mm -hmm. gay men Mm -hmm. or don't identify as such, uh, but, but are part of the fisting Mm. community? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I definitely, um, think that what we're seeing is, uh, an expansion of, of, of poppers use into, into different, into people who identify in different ways. Um, and I think that that's partly because of the um, branding point mm. that we mentioned with the graphic design, like that there are companies which are, you know, cynically, if you want to put it like that, knowing that like they can attract different kinds of buyers, con- consumers and users mm-hmm. with with different kind of branding. And or they are just responding to what's already happening, which is that those different kinds of people are like buying this, buying the stuff anyway. Like, who knows? It's chicken and egg. But that's how like markets work. Um, so I think that that's already happening. And I've also noticed over the past couple of years that um, it started just before the lockdown, really. Uh, I mean, just before the, you know, 2020 disaster. Um, I've noticed that I've seen it. I've seen it more on on dance floors um, and definitely since like everything reopened and I've been going out quite a lot um, since then and, and, and you know, over the past year or so. And I've just seen it a lot. And I guess that partly there's a confirmation bias there because the kind of places where I go and because like my friends are there and like I'm there and I'm usually the one that brings the poppers to the club. But I don't know. I just noticed and it's but it's not just me. I've seen other people who I don't know, like um, sniffing poppers more. So I think that that's happening a bit more. And then there was this New York Times article a couple of weeks ago about New York Fashion Week. And it was like all these like 20 year old uh you know bamboo female 
models are like <laughs> sniffing poppers backstage at New York Fashion Show. Um, and they're all saying like, oh my, they're all getting giddy and high and going like, oh my God, what's this amazing new, new. <laughs> thing, this, this new craze. And so, right. And so like it happens every so often that like people are like a new kind of group will discover poppers, a new particular scene will discover poppers. Um, and, and, I, and sometimes those things stick. Um, and I also think that, okay, and then the final thing, to get to your point about, like, gay versus queer, because yeah. I think that was, like, at the heart of, of what, you're, what you're saying there. I think that, like, yes, um, I, I think that what we're seeing is the, is, the, is the gradual erosion and the breakdown of this idea of, like, a solid gay male identity. You know, the, maybe the high moments were, like, in the 70s with that kind of iconography that we talked about, um, in a way, uh, because that was when the identity became like a product and it became commodified and companies could market specific products, not just poppers, at them. And then in the 80s, it became a quite solid idea of what a gay man was as well, partly, unfortunately, because of HIV and AIDS. And like that was specifically affecting a certain kind of person. And so these create like quite solid ideas in our minds, I think, and in our culture. And, you know, in the 90s, it was quite hedonistic. Like I you know, I'm, I grew up in the 90s and one of the reasons why I had some internalized homophobia was because I saw gay men as being like, that's the sort of queerest folk nightclubbing, drug taking, yeah, um, like vain scene. I thought that was what a gay man was because that was one of the only representations that I saw. And I loved queerest folk, loved the rimming. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I was like, oh my God, I do not identify with this. And now I'm like an absolute club slut, right? But... Anyway, the point is, I think that these ideas of like, these like solid ideas of like what a gay man is, I think they are crumbling. And I think that I'm not going to go so far as to say like, we're all queer now. But I do think that like the queer movement, um, which has, you know, encouraged us all to um, think about uh, our sexualities and our gender identities in more fluid and open ways, and that that might change from one day to the next for us. And that also... Um, like part of getting off our shame and the stigmas actually is not just like coming out and saying I'm like a faggot and that's okay. It's actually going a step further um, and saying, well, actually like however I present myself and however I'm having sex or want to have sex at the minute, like fuck you, like fuck your categories. Like I don't even respect that. And so I think that generally, and I've, I'm 30 fucking seven, like, you know, I'm an absolute brachiosaur compared to these like young 20 year olds who are going out and like only identifying as queer and they're amazing and they're gorgeous. Um, usually not very good in bed, but you know, <laughs> it's more experienced of us that are better at that. Um, but they'll get there. And you know, that's great. They're, 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 do they're doing that. They're like fully queer from day one. And so, uh, I don't know where that's, where that's ultimately going to go. I think there is a bit of a problem, I think with people seeing queer as a solid identity, you know, I hear people say like, oh, your outfit doesn't look isn't queer enough yeah and it's like wow what the fuck does that mean yeah like queer is an attitude as far as i'm concerned so yeah isn't it weird that we want to somehow we want to police that or is there a yeah it is weird but people are fucking dickheads and that's what people do right they want to people always want to like um define each other control each other people have find, and I include myself in this, we all, we're all included in this, you know, like we all find a sense of security and confidence somewhat from a certain degree of consistency and, and of, of our identity um, and people kind of perceiving us in the way that we want to be perceived. Like we do get a security and a confidence from that. And that can be really important for, for us. I get that. But, um, but then I think that there's, there's quite a lot of boundary policing about stuff. And, you know, you see that going, you know, you see that in certain nights, um, so, I mean, I know I keep talking about nightlife, but I think it's a really interesting way to think about these things, um, and, and to sort of experience how, how, how people identify and how people, um, live. Cause again, I guess that, that those are the moments in nightlife when you're sort of like trying to be the better version of yourself and you're trying to put yourself out there. Hey guys, Hunger FF here. I'm excited to be a part of such fun, so let's celebrate by giving you a 24-hour free trial membership. Sign up today on HungerFF.com, select one month membership, and use promo code SUCHFUN at checkout to get free access. I'll see you pigs there. 
Have you ever wondered what it's like to be slowly impaled? Then this is the toy for you! <laughs> Thank you, Vlad. So the spike is also one of my favorites because it's a great opener to get deep. So if you're beginning with your depth, try spike because it's not very wide to start with. It's very subtle. It's like one or two fingers going up there. It straightens you out without feeling awkward, let's say, because it's so soft and I find it's just a gorgeous opener. And those ridges on one side of it are just lovely when you drag it out. I don't feel those anymore. Okay. <laughs> Well, for someone not as completely wrecked, those little pops of heaven as you as you pull it out are just really lovely. Top Toys is made from 100% body-safe platinum-cured silicone, catering for people of all levels of experience. They offer clear, easy-to-understand sizing guides so that you know the toy you're buying is right for you. Top Toys is also a proud, queer-owned and operated business. Go to toptoys.com where you can shop their entire range, as well as fisting accessories like gloves, play sheets, X-Lube and branded apparel. For European customers, Top Toys now ships directly from Europe, so no need to worry about hefty customs charges. Alternatively, check the website and find a retailer near you stocking their range. Have fun. Could you could you go into um, some of the, some of the categories of poppers? Because mm. because obviously you've described amyl nitrate, which is the which is the yeah. origin. But now we have stuff like isopropyl yeah. and pentyl. Yeah. So what are the differences between them and how have they all kind of well, come about? Well, they've come about usually because manufacturers have had to dodge laws. Uh, like a lot of like drugs and, and, and you know, legal highs where um, they basically, the law will ban a substance because they, the lawmakers think it's being misused. And then the, the makers just like change one molecule in the mm. compound and then suddenly it's a new compound and it's not banned anymore. So it's kind of something similar like that has happened. So amyl nitrite was the, um, you know, was was what poppers was for, for, for many decades. And it was sold, we should have, um, I should say this as well, like it was sold in these little glass ampules when it was a, when it was a medicine. And when you um, crushed the ampule to release the vapor so that you could sniff it, mm. that made a popping sound, which is where we get the name poppers from. So, so amyl nitrite was the medicine. And certainly in the, in the 60s and 70s, um, it was amyl nitrite that people were taking, sniffing when they were having sex. And then um, there was this prescription requirement placed, uh, started in the US on amyl nitrite. So therefore manufacturers made something different and they made butyl nitrite. That was the kind of the second one. Um, and so I think, I think it was locker room was the first, uh, thing that was butyl nitrite. And, um, that became like really, really successful as a, as a poppers brand. Now there's not very, so there's not very much chemical difference there. I can't tell you which molecule is different, but there's not very much chemical difference there. Um, and then subsequently, because butyl nitrite and amyl have um, fallen foul of certain laws in different countries, uh, it's easier for the manufacturers to make new things and they've made pentyl and propyl. And there, there are tiny tweaks in the chemical formula um, on that level. And then also the, the manufacturers seem to create different aromas, different scents in them, but we they don't label what's in the we don't label the bottles properly so we don't really know it's a secret source and all of that stuff um, and also they don't label them because they're not supposed to be making mm. them for like human consumption that's that's yeah. their pact with the which is ridiculous it is so so there's the so there, there are different substances and different people can smell different things in them and they have different effects on people like different strengths um but it's hard for us to know like exactly what is the chemical cause for those differences. And also I think sometimes like mm. the differences are a bit overstated. I think people like their favorite oh, completely. Brand and yeah. that's good for them. And they're, you know, and they're just like, they're really loyal to that brand. Yeah. I, and, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, working in sex shops, people, people come in and ask for a specific brand. You go, Oh, we don't have that. Why don't, why don't you try this? Go, Oh no, no, I only touch that. And then, and then knowing, I mean, at the time we, yeah. we were only selling um, the, <laughs> I, the, isopropyl ones um which um yeah. was exactly the same formula in every bottle so it was like it really it really didn't matter like you you, you yeah. were just going you were just going for a label people like no yeah. no that's the one and it's like no you yeah but that's like the people that buy like that spend three pounds on a box of yeah. paracetamol 
you know, when actually you can spend 16p on a box yeah. of paracetamol and it's paracetamol. Like, you don't have to get the, like, super, super yeah. branded one. It's literally the same drug. Completely. <laughs> it's about the you way can... the packet makes you feel when you look at it. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, there probably, I mean, there is research into this, like, the placebo effect of, of these things. Mm. Um, all of that stuff. Yeah. And actually, some drugs, there are some drugs which, like, some medicines that have been found to be more effective when you tell the patient that they that they cost more money, even though it's the same drug mm. um there was research into that i find that really interesting how how do you add Ad, adam smith <laughs> yes. how do you like 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 to enjoy your poppers as a professional popper beta <laughs> what, what what is your process <laughs> oh my god okay so am i with myself or am i with somebody of bodies uh both both okay okay go through both <laughs> all of them okay so if i'm by myself um i i really like popper beta videos so mm -hmm. these are these like porn supercuts where some angel takes like a hundred different porn videos and um splices them all together yeah. and puts a techno beat underneath and then puts instructions on the screen or on a voiceover telling you when to sniff mm. as they're like showing you all these images so um this kind of thing has like fallen away a bit now it was like a there was a hot few years where they were quite big but then a lot of the porn tube sites really clamped down on them because uh well we're not that's a whole other conversation about what the porn sites have done to fuck us all over <laughs> but um yeah so so that's one of the ways that i like to do it um and so i like to like watch porn sniff poppers put with headphones on so it's quite like present and intense and um and i might and i might use like a dildo as well um but often i will um wait a bit as well before i touch my dick like i will like touch my nipples a lot and touch my body in different places a lot um, and wait until I like allow myself to touch my dick. Um, so that's one of my favorite ways when I'm alone, uh, recommended. And then when I'm with somebody or somebody's, um, I quite like to, um, I do prefer it if we're both, if we're both sniffing it because I want to do this thing, especially for the first hit, where we're like um, really like physically face to face, like close together. Like one might be sitting on the other, so our, our dicks are like together as well. And like one's maybe supporting, you know, if one's like kneeling mm -hmm. and then the other one's like sitting on top and then like being held by the other. And then the poppers bottle is between us and we're like sniffing and sharing with each other. And then like it's just such an intense um feeling and then like especially if you're like <laughs> nipples i'm getting hard touching each other's nipples really slowly teasingly and then like a deep kiss and then like that will just progress into absolutely put your cock in my mouth immediately um so that's my answer <laughs> beautiful i love it excuse me I just, do you have I a, a do you have a particular brand that you like <laughs> i'm not going to endorse any brand unless they sell me a, a year's supply unless they send me i mean not sell me send me um i uh what do i what do i like i, I actually do you know what like i'm really verse in all the ways and i like to try different ones and i often do literally buy you know i literally do buy different ones where do you tend just, to buy just to try them um I tend to go to sex shops um, in Soho. I live in London, so I tend to go to sex shops. Um, and that's partly just because of the, like, the thrill of it. Uh, but um, I have also bought online. And recently, um, I had some friends visiting from the US, and I made them bring me a bottle of Double Scorpio because um, mm. it's not really being shipped to the UK. And I wanted to try it because I never have. And so I've had this little bottle of double Scorpio, oh, which I'm just waiting for. It's for the, I'm just waiting for the right man, you know, to come and help me. Yeah. So so that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. Um I do like there's a dark there's a rush one. I think it's like something ridiculous. Rush platinum or a uh, black label rush. Rush black. Rush black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that in my fridge. Yeah, I quite yeah. like. I, I, I like that. And also, there's a retro. There's a retro. Yeah, there's the pencil ones. Yeah, the ones. pencil ones exactly. Yeah. There's a retroness to rush because it's like the. It was like the first brand, and it's cool that it's still going. Um, and then, 
I was in Spain recently where poppers are illegal, <laughs> but people get them in the mail. And this person who I was um, having some time with had a one called High Rise, which was a different bottle shape. It was like a long and thin, like a lipstick. Just and, just quietly, uh, it's 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 Hunger FF's favorite brand. I know that for a fact. If you know who he is, he's a big, big uh, fisting porn actor. Ah. High rise. Mm. There you go. So, yeah, I quite liked it because it was quite sort of gentle but strong. Like gentle in the sense of like you didn't get this like big chemical thing in your in your in your nose but you still got the strength of experience mm. so that was fun so yeah if any poppers brands wants to send me a year's supply um i'll come back on the podcast and talk about it you think they would have by now i think someone would have reached out and be like hey we'd like to do a partnership <laughs> yeah yeah let's do a collab well, jazz how about you um uh, iron fist is my number one. Ah, there you go also retro yeah quite you're part of the problem. <laughs> I mean, definitely. Um, but I also do deliberately buy brands that I don't know in order to try them because I've, I'm always looking for for different and more yeah. and, and better. Um, but I always go back to the Iron Fist. So there you yeah. go. I find certain poppers work better yeah. for going deep and certain ones work better for going wide. It's probably all just in my head. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I find that really interesting. I mean, everyone has that and I don't, there's a mystery to me about that. So I feel like, you know, we'd have to do some research, some proper research into that. I think, I think, I think so much of it is yeah. psychosomatic. It really is. It's just, you just, you just associate a good time with this, yeah. th- you know, you know, these, you know, the experience in the poppers just happen to coincide and then forever your brain associates yeah. the two. Um, so that's why people go, oh, that's my brand. That's my brand. It's yeah. like, no, you just had that one really good time. Yeah. Sorry, I'm the negative Nancy of this. Yeah. <laughs> I I desperately want to try dumb bitch juice. Is that a poppers? Yeah, dumb, dumb yeah bitch juice. it is now. Ah. Uh huh, uh huh. It's nice and pink. What's your favorite? Um, so I'm a jungle juice black girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Oh yeah, I like that too. I yeah, I've had that. Jungle juice is is a pretty solid. So, yeah, yeah, so it has good. to be the pencil. I won't, I, I won't touch isopropyl. Um, I say years working in sex shops. It's just, it's foul yeah. to me. Like, times where we, like, a, like a bottle will be dropped yeah. and we're there just like, not even like buzzing our tits off it, but, but, but they're just going like, oh, fuck, my head hurts. It was just, just foul. It really was. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, but I find now with my play, um, like, I enjoy poppers, but I don't necessarily, I don't find I need poppers, but I just enjoy the smell of it because the smell just reminds me of sex yeah. and dark rooms and clubs. Yeah. Yeah. I do love that when you go in a dark room or a playroom and you're, and you can smell that magic combination of like sweat and poppers and let's face it and shame um, and shit and piss yeah and usually shit and piss as well i know there's a weird there's a magic combination and there is i do sort of have a yeah. pavlovian it's like, dog mm, response i'm home yeah to that smell when you go into those spaces <laughs> in a way like it's gross but it's also like yeah it's homely mm. <laughs> like that like like you said um and that's just something that i'm interested i'm interested in like and i'm thinking about this for like another future project maybe like the grossness of things and the disgustingness of things and yeah. how we think about those things uh, and how we talk about those things and how we make judgments about those things. I think they... Go, fisting. They represent... <laughs> you know, these, these smells represent virility and life. Yeah. If you're, if you're talking about sex versus death... <laughs> Um, I think it's it's definitely if you've not if that. you've not smelt someone else's shit have you really lived yeah. exactly that smell of death right <laughs> <laughs> also I love a good highlighter pen that's where it you started know, a, a, a big or a big a big chunky marker get that cap right off get that up my nose well well they well well they're repainting at work and all these like middle aged women are like oh god you know the vapors like oh no I can't I can't handle this I'm there going yeah. <laughs> Let me just go up and down the corridor a few more times. Yeah. And you're loving it. You're getting it's a big off. hulking builders spraying yes. solvent oh, yeah. everywhere. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm quite partial to um, the smell of petrol. Oh, yes, I station. love that. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. I love a good, I love a good sharpie or a board <laughs> marker. Oh, a board marker. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. I think we'll leave it there <laughs> before we get too silly. Um, Adam Smith. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on such fun. This has been such fun. Ah! And the book is called Deep Sniff, 
A History of Poppers and Queer Futures. You can also get it in Spanish, actually. It's in Spanish. It's called Inhalación Profunda, Historia del Popper y Futuras Queer. <laughs> Where can people find the book? You can get that from uh, bookshops in Spain. <gasps> and then the English one, you can just get it um, in any bookshop, like including, the, you know, mm-hmm. the big evil online one. Uh, but also you can get it from, uh, like, online also from, like, independent um, uh uh, LGBT bookshops like Gaze the Word, and uh, I got I got my copy from Queer Lit in Manchester. Ah, there you go, Manchester, Manchester. Ah, uh, and yeah, you can get it. Um, you can get it online. Well, it gets our endorsement, and it's also an audio book. If you want to listen to me talk for five and a half hours <gasps> in a box, oh, amazing! That's a nice idea. <laughs> I would have got through it much quicker as a, as, as 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 an audio <laughs> book. <laughs> Very good. Well, enjoy. Yes. Adam, thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you.